0: Welcome to season three of Better Than Dead, a literature podcast from a left perspective. I'm Megan. I'm Tristan. I'm Katie. And today we are going to be talking about Ragged Dick, which is Horatio Alger's 1868 novel about how everyone can be rich if gosh darn it, you just work real hard and be nice to rich people. (laughs)
1: Mm, we're gonna own some libs today
0: some some everything i think we're just gonna it's just gonna be a slap fight (laughs) yeah get ready for this one uh katie why ragged dick
2: oh i gotta crack my knuckles before we start this one because i can't (laughs) wait to dig right the fuck in Uh, it's gonna be good uh ragged dick ragged dick why would I want to read a book called Ragged Dick? Let's see, uh, Ragged Dick, 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 Ragged Dick.
1: Not Less awesome like than dick.
0: Moby Dick, at the other end of the spectrum of awesomeness.
2: Yes, yeah. it is. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's you know everything is awesome in its own way. Um, this is awesomely bad. True. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, and that's true. Yeah. No, I mean, it just it feels it also just feels really right to read it right now because of its good messages that turned out to be true about rich people. Um, (laughs) Like like how they're definitely all just like helping right now and not, uh, you know, kind of pushing and shoving about uh, who's going to get to blast a rocket out of their platinum asshole the first or Mm -hmm. whatever else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, lessons. The main thing about this, though, is that it is simply, simply ever so dunkable that mm-hmm. it begs to be, it begs to be read and dunked upon. Some scholars uh, have referred to it as the dunkaroo of American literature.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> that's right.
2: It's absolutely true. Because much like that brown bag staple, it is, it has no nutritional value. It's very bad for you. Very bad for you. Um, there's also the the whole WWJD element that mm-hmm. I like very mm-hmm. much, and I know that so it's called ragged dick. Of course, you know we know it's called ragged dick, uh, and there's nothing funny about that. I just <laughs> no <laughs> never. I, no, no. I just want to address that there's um there's nothing amusing about a ragged dick. No. It is a health condition.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I. I our our listeners are very much as mature as we are so i don't i i don't think i mean they they probably wouldn't have even thought anything of it if you had no. you know said that
2: right but i just i don't want anyone to laugh or <laughs> smile or joke during this no because ragged it's serious dip. it's serious and it's also something that um That Kellogg himself, uh, even though it is a disease, he advocated for it because the ragged dick is ragged for her displeasure. So, (laughs) yeah, um, in mimicking the barbed uh, penis of the of the cat, it um, it ensures that you don't have any fun uh, ragged Mm -hmm. dick Mm -hmm. Um, because because, you know, yeah,
1: uh, it was was with the pro Protestant work ethic thing. Sure.
2: Yeah, the old barbed penis work ethic. Um, <laughs> it's a good time for all of us. But one of the things that I had forgotten about this is that. Uh, so you know, of course, don't be silly. There's nobody actually named Ragged Dick in this book, right? Um, <laughs> no, in fact, the Ragged Dick's full name is Richard Hunter.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It's yes. it's it's Dick Dick Hunter <laughs> Dick Hunter <laughs> Dick Hunter. Uh, yep. Yeah. Dick Hunter, yes. I, I, true, and I, I told you this via text before we started the pod. But I want to make an action thriller, and I'll see if, like, maybe Sylvester Stallone will like do a kind of Rambo thing for it, like Dick Hunter. We make the movie. <laughs> it's Dick Hunter, and he's hunting for dicks, sniping them, <laughs> getting them done, get them down. Pred- dick Hunter, style. Predator versus your dick, because mm-hmm. the Dick Hunter's coming. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's the log line. Logs are shaped like dicks.
1: Yeah. And then there's the deer hunter, right? It's this, this yeah. would be a very, very different spin on that. Uh, Academy <laughs> Academy award winning, uh, 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 film about the, the horrors of, of war and PTSD. If it was called Dick Hunter, right. Rather than
0: That's right. I feel like a lot of Willem Dafoe energy is all con- coming
2: together on this. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. It's all, it's all coming together. Uh, there's also something that Megan. This is a fact that I know that you'll enjoy. We all know how important Horatio Alger is, uh, the legacy he left on American culture, the good lessons he taught about how to be poor uh, and raise yourself up, uh, mm-hmm. be- become, go from fail son to success son. Um, <laughs> and so there is a there is a Horatio Alger Society of Distinguished Americans, of course, of course, and one such distinguished American is our friend and libertarian jackass pretty face (laughs) Rob Lowe.
1: Oh man. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. He
2: walked away with a ratio Alger award in 2018 and nobody deserves it more. So (laughs) big ups to Sam Seaborn. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) God.
0: How many
2: things wrong?
0: How many things can be wrong with a hot guy?
1: Yeah. (laughs) In Roblo's case, many, many,
0: all, all of them. Apparently. Yeah,
1: basically all of them, all of them.
0: Yeah. Sad to be you, soda pop. <laughs>
1: <Yes>. <laughs> also, I'm sorry, and I'm not debating the hotness of Roblo. I'm not. That's that's fine. I, I accept no, it's that. debatable. But like, there's it's something hard deep. a position
0: to stand by. Let me just. I'm not dying on that hill.
1: Well, but I just want to say he's when you look the same for thirty years. I mean, there are some uncomfortable questions about Faustian bargain, and you know what? It's just
2: adrenochrome.
1: Yeah, exactly, adrenochrome. Yeah. I I think
0: you may not know what a good facelift looks like because that's what that (laughs) is. Well,
1: that's why when he played uh, when he played the uh, the the plastic surgery doctor in um, in the uh, the Liberace movie, it was like perfect but
0: oh yeah
1: um but yeah so so back to ragged <laughs> dick um i i don't think i can adequately convey just how much i hate this fucking novel <laughs> um, <laughs> love it. it it is one of the dumbest things i've ever read uh no i feel like we're both we're all th- all three of us are really into ducking on it but just have different relationships to the object so
0: <laughs> yeah i think so Uh,
1: The first time I read this was for a class on representations of poverty in American literature that I I was a TA for in in grad school. Um, And I just knew that if I ever had a Pico literature podcast, I I would have to mercilessly dunk (laughs) on
0: it. I can't believe it took us 50 episodes to
1: get here, frankly. <laughs> well, this, we were planning this show. This was one of the first books that came up. Yeah. It's but, true. Uh, and yeah. So like, if you remember back when uh, Katie and I talked about decades and those episodes, you know, we, we kept coming back to like, wow, you know, he's got all these really penetrating critiques of uh, social conditions and material analysis that are really smart. And I, I wish he didn't just get stuck in this lib Victorian spiral of, of wanting everything about be about individual agency. Um, so like this is like that except with none of the smart parts like mm-hmm. <laughs> at all like um it, yeah, it but is, at, at least
0: it f- clips along at 125 fucking pages
1: yeah right? it, well it yes it does it, uh, it it is it is absolutely and i will stand by this everything that's wrong with america uh yeah nobody disagrees <laughs> here Yeah. you know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he, you know he, he wants to acknowledge that oh yeah urban poverty is real and bad um but then he immediately wants to do that pull yourself up by your bootstrap shit which if you've never Thought about that, that it wouldn't work because how are you? You take your feet off the floor and then you fall on your ass. <laughs> but,
2: zero, zero <laughs> G. You just get a, a one of those zero G jets, you blast off, you have your yeah, bootstraps.
1: That's right. Elon Musk style strap a rocket to your ass and you can go to the stars, right? Yep. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, and yeah, Horatio Alger, he's the chud that invented that shit um, and sparked so many idiotic and uh, deeply damaging American ideological positions that go all the way from. From the most deranged right-wing Heritage Foundation shit uh, to the vapid liberalism of a mayor Pete, right? It is oh. it is fucking it is fucking high hopes meets Joel Osteen, the worst John Wade movie meets Lean In. It sucks. It's bad, and I cannot think of a better way of starting season three than absolutely shredding it with the two of you.
0: Absolutely, <laughs> And be perfect. <laughs> uh, okay, so Justin, like you, look, like Katie, you too. I think this might actually be the stupidest. <laughs> Book ever written. Um, It's worse than everybody poops. Like, it just is (laughs) uh, like much worse. Um, That is why I love it so much. Truly, like, never in the vast canon of American literature is there anyone who is quite so much of a gormless buffoon as (laughs) Horatio Alger. Um, I actually read this in graduate school for my comprehensive exams and. They did not ask me about it for some reason, I guess, cause Weird. they wanted to talk about like Tocqueville or Mark Twain or something that was not stupid. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> so like, well, right. Tocqueville. Uh, I remember, so I read it that winter, like winter of 2011. And um, it's, you know, you put down a book and you're like, I think that made me dumber. Uh-huh. Yep. And that, Maybe this book has, like, a utilitarian function, which is to duplicate the effect of a head injury. (laughs) (laughs) Well. Yeah. So, anyway, like, ill-fashioned dong is a triumphant achievement because there is no tension in it whatsoever. Like, it doesn't meet the the terms of what a novel should do so like Mm -hmm. your bank book is stolen we'll just go on hop on down to the bank and you just tell them and everything is a okay Uh so you're living on the street Uh, sadly we'll just be nice to a rich dude he'll give you five bucks and it's dope it's great Um, so the plot of Trashbag Johnson is don't steal or do anything fun and work hard at your shitty job and you will have plenty of money and that's it that's the whole
1: (laughs) book um
0: i also think that derelict dingles relentless cheeriness (laughs) is amazing uh he really makes it seem like being a very poor child in 19th century new york is like mostly jokes and like playful fisticuffs
1: yeah yeah Uh,
0: yeah uh and it's what it is, folks. Just fight an Irishman and, and everything's pretty cool.
1: Yes. As an Irish American, I do take I do take issue with some of the some of the stereotypes that appear in this work, but uh
0: Mickey Potato or whatever his name
1: is. Patio Potato and his gag of hooligans, yeah. Uh
0: yeah. So anyway, and in conclusion, my baby learned to pull herself up recently. To stand, and she grabbed this book off the copy table and chewed on it, and it is definitely improved for having been gummed up by my infant.
1: <laughs> uh- yeah, it, it, absolutely. And uh, Meg, thanks for uh, thanks for reminding us that this is in New York because I think this is a testament to Charles Dickens that he made the London kind of Cockneys the 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 face of nineteenth century urban poverty. Because every time, and like basically all the dialogue through this book I read, I kept reading like, "Oi, gum, <laughs> shine sh- for a tuppence, Bob's your uncle," and and I, oh no, right, this is New York. You know?
0: <laughs> I mean, I still read it in a Brooklyn accent, but he's not in brooklyn and nor is he from brooklyn so (laughs) that's like worth noting
1: (laughs) yeah exactly
2: Uh. i'm gonna be honest i didn't know what to accent to read any of this in
0: because the dialogue is so clunky and awful that you wouldn't like imagine it
2: yeah because it's impossible to imagine it coming out of a mouth
1: (laughs) right he does try to write in dialect but it doesn't there's no rhyme or reason to it right like he just just throws in random contractions and stuff that don't like actually track with each other but
0: somebody published this and we remember the guy's name still like this book is in print i
2: know there's a society of him
1: (laughs) and an award
2: just just an award just just an award
0: Okay, so today we are going to be talking about finance capital through the eerie railroad shares that this novel cares about. We're going to talk about the character of Ragged Dick as an exemplary figure, and we're going to talk about the notions of labor that this book constructs. Okay, Katie, uh, tell us what happens besides born poor, get rich, laugh the way through.
2: Rich Dick, poor Dick. Uh, (laughs) we're We're having it happen right now. Okay, so here's what happens in this delightful tale uh, that we can definitely all apply to our own lives. Mm-hmm. So we meet our 14-year-old hero, Ragged Dick, when sexy, he's sleeping. Sexy, 14-year-old. Uh, <laughs> yeah. According to the book –
1: yeah. Y- yes, yes, according Her- to the
2: book. Yes. <laughs> I'm thinking Her- Her- ahead Heratia to the Horatio Alger was uh, was
1: was was a pederast. Just <laughs> we should throw that out there. At what the a sunset, word! Right? But yeah.
2: Uh, yeah. Uh, so we got ragged Dick. We we come upon him. He's sleeping in a box in the big city, NYC. The you know whatever. He's a dick in a box. Th- that's I'm going to move right <laughs> by it. He a uh, boot black. Also, he's a boot black, and he's a goody good boy, wholesome sweetie pie. Of course, Um, Mm -hmm. his main interests are shining shoes, uh, seeing, taking in amusements and such, uh, and blowing his entire wad of shoe shine cash on on fun times with his pals, like all getting together over a big vat of oyster soup. You know, like you do.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sure.
2: Um, Yeah. And as as Megan did point out. uh, boy howdy he sure is a looker as everyone comments mm-hmm. and that's that's very important to the novel because uh, and i can't stress this enough all good-looking people are good on the inside that's mm-hmm. how you know that's the one right. way to tell
1: yeah so if yes. you can't
2: get your hands on their skull to feel around <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: you just look you can't think about yes. crane them
1: so, so you know how like good nineteenth century novels are really critical. It's like, well, so we have these like racist scientific discourses about physiognomy and skull shape and 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 character, and just I, I those don't really seem to hold if you put pressure on it. No, Horatio is like, nope. Mm-mm, mm-mm. You can if you if someone has a trustworthy face,
0: yes, that's give right. them all your money. Yeah, you can immediately tell us you you got a you got a a good look to you, boy. <laughs>
2: yep, that's and the end. And that's what you know, yep. and we never go farther yep. than that.
1: Yep.
0: Uh, Unless you have an I- an Irish potato mug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: then- red, hair. <laughs> red hair and freckles right. be, be, be vigilant, yeah. Yeah. It's
2: curtains for you. It's curtains for you. Uh, the other thing that's cool about Ragged Dick, of course, is that um, not only is he just kind of just being honest all the live long day and night, he's also always practicing his tight five, and that's how you get a career in stand-up mm-hmm. comedy.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: that's also why apparently everyone likes him due to his good jokes which we will discuss further later um and to me it really sends home the the greatest message that we can all receive which is it is okay to be poor as long as you don't do the sin of making anyone ever feel uncomfortable about it or ask any questions ever Mm -hmm. at any time yes Yes. So
1: yes. Be yes. If you're if you're sad because you're poor, that's a that yeah, that's bad. But uh yes, but but as long as you have pluck yeah, that's and, on and, you. Are, and are funny, yeah,
2: yeah. Pluck and cheer.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, no, of course. That's that's how it goes. Uh so of course this this charming youth meets a rich dude. They're the city's lousy with them. Uh this rich dude <laughs> is named Mr. Whitney, and he is a nephew named Frank. And unfortunately, Mr. Whitney is not able to show his young nephew around the city because he has important rich guy shit to do. Okay. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Like ignore his family. That's the most important rich guy shit of all. So he says, listen, you two, why don't you guys put your dicks together and run around the city and kind of see the sights? Uh, Ragged dick. Yeah. Ragged dick will take you around. But he can't, of course, have his nephew going sightseeing with somebody who looks like shit and is filthy. I mean, he's 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 he looks good, but you have to look past the, the, the shit.
0: <laughs> yeah. You got to look through, through what you know to be temporary, which is poverty face. Yeah.
2: It, precisely. So what he does is he's like, he gives him this fancy suit of clothes. And, you know, wouldn't you know it, ragged dick shines right up much like a shoe. So they do, their, uh, they do their she's all that thing, and Dick comes out looking like a hot girl who just took her glasses off. OMG. And they go run around the city. And they meet a con artist. They're, it's also it's lousy with rich guys and con artists. And the con man is like, listen, I have this wallet, and it's obviously full of money. And for the low, low price of $50, you can have it. And uh, you go find the owner of it. I'm sure you'll get more money. And I have to go see my sick relative in in Boston, where all the good people live.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> but,
2: of, but, but of course you'll you'll never get Ragged Dick in such an elementary scheme. He is a he is a young lad of the city. So Ragged Dick gets the wallet from the guy. He manages to um to outsmart him. And uh, it's just full of, like, toilet paper and crap. Much like my own wallet. I've been blowing my nose for (laughs) years. And uh, fortunately, it comes in handy for uh, his comedy tour later. (laughs) So, on account of being so ragged, Dick is also often accused wrongfully of being up to no good, possibly. We don't know. So... He and Frank, his, his young wealthy pal, are riding a trolley, and th- there's this lady on the trolley, and she is being a total B. And uh, she sees the two, the two youths, and she man spreads her <laughs> 19th century skirts out so that they can't sit next to her. And then, to add insult to giant skirted injury, she says that they stole her fucking wallet. But Ragged Dick manages to comedy his way right out of this little jam. He does a little bit where uh, he makes a fool out of her with the con man's wallet. And it turns out that she had her wallet in her pocket the whole time. And when she gets owned, everyone on the train claps and cheers for how funny <laughs> Ragged Dick is. And it's all great and totally true. Just like the time people <laughs> will tell stories like that on Twitter about how cool they were in public. Yep. Yeah, yeah and everybody um, clapped yes i <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. loved it but of course you know megan it, you brought this up earlier it, this is a, a not you know ragged dick is on some hard times and things aren't always all fun and games and and hijinks and such there are serious threats to homeless youth in this novel um such as a mean irish child
1: <laughs> yeah. uh, the irish besetting our city with their irishness
2: yes <laughs> yes indeed uh <laughs> this this young gents name is mickey mcguire
1: mm, patio potato yep. yep
2: yep yep well he heretofore referred to as patio potato uh <laughs> he's <laughs> he's bullying and tormenting a bookish lad named henry fostick and on account of both of them being dicks, he and Ragged Dick team up and put their dicks together and support each other. Mm -hmm. And what they do together is they simply hustle and grind. They Mm -hmm. get a little room at a boarding house. They start, you know, putting some money away. It's all, it's all gravy. He is also, in addition to being a goody, good boy, he has some learning. And so what he's going to do is just sand down the the rough edges on that ragged dick and just smooth (laughs) that dick right out (laughs) Uh,
1: yeah
2: Yeah. so he's gonna teach him to read and write and do arithmetic
1: rhythmic dick oh that was good yeah yeah Yeah.
2: we warned them (laughs) (laughs) people were warned implicitly and explicitly uh Dick is also open to bank account and he is doing investments. He is putting the principal in and getting interest, etc. You know how that all works yeah so it's a very important novel plot
0: in general when people open a bank account
1: yes that's, yes that's, that's what well, yeah. <laughs> yes it's like you don't know want your poor because you don't have a bank account see so, yes
0: yeah. yeah it's something we see yeah. all the time just the uh the completely yeah. astonishing and not at all ordinary.
2: Process of opening a checking account. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Um. Well, you also know that you're in a very exciting novel when, like, a main plot point is him visiting the bank repeatedly. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: true. Yeah,
2: yeah. Like, oh boy, what's going to happen today? As I go address the teller. Yeah. Uh. So who anyway, him? who knows him well? Yeah. Oh yeah, yes. they're yeah, well acquainted. Yeah,
1: yeah. They're, they're B- BFFs, by- BFFs by the end of the novel, yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, he's a he's a big time investor. Um, So he meets this guy named Mr. Grayson, who likes him because he gave him 15 cents in change one time. Like he's a big he's a big rich guy. should ragged. Dick shined his shoes for 10 cents. All he had was a quarter and ragged dick. Honest dick. Uh, <laughs> gives him the 15 cents back and yeah. he invites him to church and dinner and dick. It charms the pantaloons off everyone. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you. Yeah. Let me tell you.
1: That that scamp.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that little <laughs> rascal. <He> also <laughs> conscious around Mr. Grayson's attractive daughter, who is nine.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Y- yow- yowza. yowza.
1: Lovely.
2: <sighs> oh, that's not the best. So here's like another free floating plot point that's also important. Anytime Ragged Dick goes anywhere – with anyone who is "quote unquote" respectable, a fun thing they do, a fun game they play is "Where's Waldo?" But Waldo is a rich guy who used to be Little Orphan Annie. Please, sir, may I have some more?
1: Cool. <laughs> yes.
2: And they have all become big time business bitches, and that's you know that Ragged Dick can do it too. Yep. So anyway, he used to be a newspaper boy, and all mm. of a sudden, yes, he's a. So he's a, He has a job nobody understands because it's fake. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. That's what rich people do. Yeah, he used to be a newsboy, newsboy and, now, and now he's rich for a job, yeah.
2: Yep. <laughs> yeah, now he has money for some reason. And none of us <laughs> have Citizen Kane and think that that could all end badly.
1: Oh no, no, of course not. Well, but it see it doesn't because you know you're you're thinking in the Orson Welles smart universe, ah. but in the uh, Ratio you Alger stupid universe. <laughs> no, it's that's right. That's what happens. You just you know you you get rich and have the job of being rich, and every everything's great. Oh, and it's awesome. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. That's how it turns out. Exactly. I've read Ragged Dick. I know. <laughs> um. So. I've up to this point, it sounds like things have been going really well for for Ragged Dick, as you can you know, uh he's making he's making rich friends. He's got a buddy, he's teaching him school stuff. Um, but oh no, uh something bad's about to happen. So Dick is about to give five bucks. He's a hundred dollars. He's a hundred dollars. Whoa baby, that's three digits. One zero zero. And he's about to give five bucks to this kid because his mom has a broken arm and she can't pay the rent. But unfortunately, a villain whose name is Jim has stolen Dick's <laughs> <laughs> bank book. He's stolen his bank book. You know, that classic crime where you steal what? a bank book, yeah. which yeah. isn't actual money. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. so, But Dick, of course, is worried that Jim can use the bank book to get his money which turns out to be fucking redonk because he's like a 14 year old going to the bank every goddamn day and (laughs) so like (laughs) (laughs)
1: yes (laughs) so
2: so the notion that like he would be able to go and get the money is ridiculous but anyway he goes to the teller who he knows very well he's well acquainted and um he says someone stole my bank book and he gives him a description and he's like he looks like shit and he's awful and oh no he's right over there ah! <laughs> <laughs> so the bank teller in a truly stunning move says we only have one choice here dick and it's to do a prank with serious legal consequences so you here come behind the counter with me and just duck down and hide and i'll
1: do the <laughs> uh, yeah yeah and now we're so the. Of- we're now now we're kind of in home alone sort of, right? Like we're going to we're going to practice yeah, protect criminals your good. Wealth.
2: Protect the wealth. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: So, we're getting into some hijinks here. Um and so like Ragged Dick is like hiding under the counter. He's just like I'm just imagining him like ducking under the counter while this guy to has this ludicrous conversation with this man who's like making up bullshit lies like oh, I'm Ragged Dick's brother. Uh, blah blah <laughs> blah.
0: It's he's Harry. Yeah.
2: He's Harry Dick. <laughs> Yes, I'm so sorry. He's
1: he's uh, he's Harry. He's Harry Dick. He's he's now a character in John Cleland. Okay. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: so the the ruse that he is Harry Dick is of course exposed immediately, and the cops come and two. This is like the one se- semi okay gesture Ragged Dick makes, which he's like because he's like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Do you really have to actually arrest him and put him in jail? Like, I thought we could just kind of hug and he would say sorry and it would be fine. But unfortunately, no. Like, that's not what happens. And the guy gets carted off to jail and his life is further ruined. All cops are bastards, but, um, you know, Ragged Dick <laughs> doesn't see that. Uh, yeah. At that no. juncture, I did look in the book, and he
0: says that his name is Henry Hunter. So I am not at all wrong when I say no, it. no, no,
1: no. You're 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 right. You're right. I I I remembered that just as just as you were saying that, like yeah, Harry Dick. That's right. Yep. Remarkable, remarkable.
2: It's real. Well, no. it's not real, but you get it. Um, <laughs> no, it's real. Uh, it's that's uh, that's how uh, how money works. That's yes, indeed. Fourteen year olds uh, so- go
0: in every day as a. 100 page book tells us constantly exactly the
2: amounts of money that a child has correct which is very interesting to everyone yeah um, so we're about we're wrapping it up we're we're gonna wrap this stick right up uh, and the way that our story concludes is with a little Brooklyn adventure Yay. I can only assume they were going to start a podcast there like you do yeah um, <laughs> and there on the ferry when the extremely thinkable happens someone <laughs> falls off the boat which is all that ever happened in the 19th century was just people <laughs> falling off of boats yep
1: yep all the time yep
2: so this kid falls off a boat and the dad screams somebody won't somebody save my son i'll give you a thousand dollars
0: and <laughs> <laughs> yep
2: ragged dick (laughs) Uh, oh, big dick dick has already jumped in the narrator takes care to know he did not hear this offer of a thousand dollars when he jumped in to heroically rescue the child and he does it and what do you know that uh that thousand dollar offer was was not just some man screaming something to get someone to go jump off the boat after his kid he also is a big time business bitch and he gives ragged dick A job that pays 10 entire dollars a week. That's 10 (laughs) American
0: dollars. $1,000 when he can work for $10 a week.
1: Yes, yes. He is a little
2: hesitant about it because he doesn't know if he can truly earn that 10 every week, you know? Well, he has an honest face.
1: Yes, and he, he was like, I mean, I, sure. When my son was in the East River, I was like, <laughs> he's worth a thousand dollars. But now that I've had time to reflect more soberly on it, how about I give you ten whole yeah. dollars a week, right? But yeah. for
2: you to work for me, that's the same as a thousand dollars. Things have, the, things change. The value of the value of sons really shifts based on whether they're yeah. on land or at sea.
1: That's true. Also, I just want to say, if you win the Powerball, take the fucking lump sum. Do not get take the the, the annuity, right? Like that. That's what I feel like it is. Like, So I could give you a $1,000 lump sum or a job that pays jack shit, right?
2: <laughs> like, <laughs> Those are your options. <laughs> that's a tough one. That's a
1: tough one. And it's 1868. $1,000 is like $11 billion, right? And, and <laughs> yeah.
0: It's all the money you could possibly need for the rest of your life, I suppose.
2: I don't know. Yeah. It's a mind-blowing amount of cash. Yeah. simply mind blowing. that's ten times more money than Ragged Dick has. I can do math.
1: <laughs>
2: okay, so here's the here's the sweet little ending twist. So Mickey Irish uh, at the <laughs> at the end steals this shitty suit of clothes that Ragged Dick has like kept with him. All throughout the book, he, like, puts them on to make sure the post office guy recognizes him. It's, like, this thing. It's, like, his security blanket. And um, he, he liked to wear it on his capers even after he got a nicer suit and blah, blah, blah. And so this is, like, the thing that transforms Ragged Dick into Richard Hunter Esquire for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> right. He, he becomes... Dick Hunter. Dick Hunter. And and lucky for him, Dick is always in season year round. We have a huge overpopulation problem this year round.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What a tale. What a tale.
2: Totally counts as a novel.
0: It's That's the thing it is. Okay, so Katie, will you give us the context that we have not already outlined as context that this book is
2: terrible? Uh, Yes, we are going to address some things about Horatio Alger right now, um, which we have alluded to, which Tristan did inform us of earlier on. I do hate to say, regret to inform, he was a pedophile. But here's the thing about that. A sentence I never thought I'd say after he's a pedophile. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. This was news to people <laughs> for like such a long time. Like, so there's a Horatio Alger Festival that had gone on for like a decade in his in his hometown, and in 2006, apparently, like came to light in some different way, and um, and people were either very upset about this. Or, like, had the most bizarre shit to say you can possibly imagine. Like, mm. there was a spokesperson for the Horatio Alger Society who was basically like, uh, yeah, he did that stuff, but it was only the one time that we know of. Um, <laughs> and one of his relatives was like, I don't know. That's really not something in the family lore. <laughs> what?
1: <laughs> yeah, it was, no, like, like, common knowledge for the middle of the 19th century, though, I, right? Like...
2: I mean he it wrote it down. Like we read the thing.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. R- well, yeah. He did write a le- he like did, which I'll talk about, he wrote a letter that was like sorry that I did the stuff I did. Or no, his da- his dad wrote a letter that was like sorry my son did that shit. Yeah. Um Yeah. Yeah. But like, <laughs> there's this article about the changing of the f- the changing of the name of the festival, and um, they quote these people saying, like, they quote a school board member who says, "Um, that's a sad world. Goodness gracious. Oh God." There's this one that's like, "I know there are people that are pedophiles. Do something about those people. Never mind Horatio Alger."
1: <laughs> oh, what, little God.
2: what right there? Yeah, like maybe we should let it go. Um. Yeah. There's also like so there was a stamp that the USPS issued a stamp in honor of Horatio Alger and so like the guy at the historical commission in his hometown was like uh well they he tricked the post office too. So <sighs> I don't know what to tell you. <laughs>
1: And I'll just say that, like, I, I mean, so particularly for, I, I mean, I, and I think this is a completely different conversation when you're talking about like authors or artists who are living and like, are found out to be really shitty people. I think that's a, it's a different conversation when you're, when you're talking about people who are like long dead, I kind of think like this sort of like, like someone's biography and like their works in the world, these are two different things and biography doesn't really tell you that much and stuff, but like, given the fact that his fiction is all about like, boys right in new york is like and 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 the specific way that he like writes about them that i just i find it very difficult to compartmentalize like biography and the uh and the fiction itself you know what i mean
0: it's also that like in our current moment there's all this like hearty self-congratulation about who's a horatio alger figure you know it's like the language around it should should be like
2: maybe we shouldn't be saying that's such a great thing yeah yeah. Well, th- yeah, like that's the that's the confusing thing because um because I'll get to more of his bio and um and we can kind of hash hash this out a little bit more, but um it was not that it was known but it wasn't that known. Um mm, okay. that he was a that he was a pedophile like so he did a bunch of jobs that involved you know he was a tutor like he was Mm -hmm. like after he moved to new york city after the the events surfaced and like apparently nobody had anything else to say that was similar so like that's that's very different than saying nothing else happened i'll say that right um so anyway um let's let's go back in time to the year, the year eighteen thirty-two, uh, when Horatio Alger was born, and his dad was a his dad was a Unitarian minister, and um, the Unitarian is the one that's exactly what it sounds like, which is they don't believe <laughs> in the Trinity. Um, right. see. Right. Okay, Unity. So he he went to Harvard Div School, and he was like, I want to be a Unitarian minister too, but didn't quite happen that way because he got this post in Cape Cod and. He did some not entirely determined sexual acts with these two boys who were in their early to mid teens. So they were thirteen and fifteen, and Mm. Uh. yeah. And so this came out, and he he left immediately, and he didn't say he didn't object. He didn't say I didn't do it. There was no like um, this wasn't a Henry Ward Beecher type sex scandal, which was like sort of in a similar time period. But he he denied. And his dad then wrote a letter to the that church that he was that his so he's like apologizing for what happened not in any specific terms of course and he said listen like I give you my word that my son's not going to try to be a minister again. Hmm. And this was 1866 when this happened and this was the same year that he writes Ragged Dick. Mm. Or the Ragged Dick comes out rather. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why he began really throwing himself into writing like he was incredibly prolific because he wrote Mm. shitty stuff. (laughs) Uh, So I I guess that helps. Um, And he moved to New York and he started writing books and and hanging out with boys who lived on the street. And so, yeah. And so that's where he said a lot of the material came from, also from um, pamphlets about Uh, like cautionary pamphlets like about all the confidence schemes that were going on in the city Um, so those are the two sort of sources of the ragged dick books and he moved two of these young boys in with him into his apartment and so like this is it's all very complicated because he ostensibly did like, the ragged dick shit that he talks about. Like, um, there are lots of letters surviving about him trying to get jobs for these uh, young men. Like, he gave a bunch of his money away, and so he was seen as, like, this philanthropy dude until, like, 1890, and then it started to be more widely known that there was something, that there was, like, other stuff going on, mm-hmm. too. It didn't uh ruin his the reputation of his works so much, but it did become a kind of more openly known thing. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. No, I was just going to say that, like, it, uh, well, right. That, like, when you were saying, Katie, that it kept, this keeps getting, like, re reported and people are like, what? I didn't know. But also, just like, in such shitty ways, like, so uh, the Norton edition, which I read, which is a really good critical edition, they have this Miami Herald article from 1972, the headline of which is Legendary Alter was a Homosexual. And it's like, oh, n- no. No. Pedophile, right? Like, yeah, I mean, it's fair. just, yeah, like, not, yeah. like, no, that's not, no, no, no. That, that's not what this story is, right? So, it's, so anyway, so I mean, I, I guess, like, the point being, it's like, I'm sure over the century of this getting rediscovered or rediscovered, it's gotten, like, twisted in so many, like, fucked up ways, you know? And yeah. Um, and, yeah, anyway.
2: Yeah. And that's, so I don't know the criticism well enough to, I don't know the book that I'm about to talk about well enough to actually say too much about it, but there is a book that addresses his sexuality and also like it addresses the way like the author of that book talks about him as closeted and like understands the the rich guy heroes uh that help from behind the scenes as a kind of like figure for that Mm -hmm. so it's this weird thing where like everything's gotten used to these like things have gotten mushed around in these ways that are like very unproductive and it's not just stuff like in news like in, in like Miami Herald Herald articles where you'd like breathlessly reveal that he was a, a homosexual right. it was like it's like it also has made its way into the way that these books are understood mm. um mm-hmm. in literary criticism mm. so cuz mm-hmm. you can't because uh, quite frankly like you can't do anything with the fact that some you you can't do any neat literary critical tricks with the fact that someone's a fucking pedophile
1: right right like
0: also every book has the same structure in terms of Mm. like some rich guy is like doing noblesse oblige to children right so it's not as though there's this like oh well you know maybe maybe it's it's like a a thing that's happening just in this one book and we can't like Mm. inter you know we can't like Interpolate from there, but it's yeah, it's a different, it's just a different thing. Extrapolate, mm-hmm.
2: extrapolate. I n- I never know that. No, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I to I think about it, but uh, yeah, no, that's I, that's absolutely right. And also, so I mentioned how much Alger wrote, and it's just it's truly mind blowing how much how many stories he wrote that basically followed this theme. So. He had a bunch of series. So he had the Ragged Dick books. He had the Luck and Pluck series. He had the Tattered Tom series. And I think that maybe, oh, he had the Brave and Bold series. It's all the same book. Yeah, pretty. Yes. Like they're all. Yeah, they're all the same book, just like repeated a bajillion times. So he also had the Pacific series because he moved his book. He moved west and his books did change a little bit when there was a little more something to him. Like you could get a little more of that. Like, oh, no, someone got their head blown off with a shotgun type Mm -hmm, type deal. mm -hmm. Not quite so nicey nice as Ragged Dick. But I do want to share some of the titles of these because they are simply to die for and that they make me want to die. Um <laughs> the, the things the books have in common is that they are all about success sons mm. who are made so by success fake dads. <clears throat> so the the books are called um well one's called Rough and Ready oh, or Life wow. Among the New York Newsboys. Ben the Luggage Boy. <laughs> or Among the Warbs. Rufus and Rose or the fortunes of rough and ready, and we just we got we got more too, right? Like Charlie yeah. Codman's cruise, a story for boys.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> we have oh. we have Frank's campaign, or what boys can do on the farm for the camp. We have oh, there are some just real real good ones oh uh, this one's a he gets a little like racist like tattered tom or the story of a street arab
1: mm-hmm. uh, oh phil good. the fiddler yeah yeah
2: slow and sure uh, Ooh, boy. <laughs> uh yeah we just we, we i don't need to i don't need to you know go go all about go all about doing this but uh yeah, you don't, but you don't want to hear about from Canal Boy to President? <laughs> the boyhood and manhood of James A. Garfield?
0: Or, or wait, if you don't like that,
2: do you want to hear about Ben's Nugget?
0: Oh, oh no. Oh,
1: Did man. he only know
2: three names?
1: It seems that way. Yeah.
0: I also love that there's like, I I know that this is like sort of a, a, a little bit like a field, but uh, Katie, you've told me about how like, Stephen Crane does this dunk on him.
2: Oh it's, yeah. So, but there's yeah, also Stephen
0: like R- all these amazing people writing at that same time, like Stephen Crane or Jacob Reese, or like even Mark Twain to a certain degree, who like there are people whose politics I totally think are great, who write you yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah, so it's like yeah, I yeah. just yeah, read sure. I just taught Maggie a girl of the streets, and it's really the opposite of these books.
1: Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah, no, th- this is a different thing. There the was the one, qu- two very fast things. The one thing is that these are kids books that's like to know, and kids apparently really liked them. And they were, this is like, seri- these were serialized. So that sort of maybe explains the weirdness if you should attempt, ill-fatedly attempt to read this. The other is, Megan, just to address the Stephen Crane thing. Stephen Crane did, dunked on it in the funniest way possible. Uh, and sort of like Howells, a lot of people did. Oh, of course, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. But Stephen Crane did it by writing a story called A Self-Made Man, an example of success that anyone can follow. <laughs> that's such a dick move and I love it yeah, so
1: yeah. much. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. But I, I will say so. Like okay, so uh, bef- like I, to kind of prepare myself to have thoughts that aren't just like rage about, about this, mm-hmm. <laughs> I read uh, like a really good essay by the by um uh, the the editor of the Norton edition, uh, H- hildegard holler um who wrote it, and and it's it's like one of those things. It's where, it's like I, th- I think it's really smart and provocative, but I, I think that like um it gives way too much credit to uh, Horatio Alger for not being an idiot, um and like like. <laughs> So the, this essay, like, says that, like, um, it's sort of like, so, okay, so P.T. Barnum is this kind of shadowy figure around the edges of this, like Barnum's American Museum, which, if you don't know what that is, look it up. It is one of the most fucked up things ever. It b- burned down in 1865, um, but, uh, in cl- and boiled to death two whales that were in it, uh, and their carcasses were rotting on Broadway for a while afterwards. Uh, but, oh, but so so Heller uh, it says that basically like sort of the Barnum freak show and sort of like what Alger was doing have a lot of commonality and that like what the 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 freak show to use that you know the, the the term that Barnum sold it under tried to do was to well it would to, to to emphasize the spectacle but also to sort of like take things that people were uh, you know made uncomfortable with but in some kind of otherness into something that is like sort of presented with a kind of irony or like showmanship or that it's like. Oh, but like people are making money from this, including, you know, the people who are like display either, you know, displaying themselves or kind of forced to display themselves. So it's okay. And, like, so the claim is that, like, Alger is kind of doing this with the urban poor, right? Like, so what he's not doing Mm -hmm. is, like, giving this – Like, he's not actually doing this kind of, like, mythologization of, like, the Protestant work ethic. Instead, he's, like, trying to give you a a good, like, plucky story that you're not really supposed to buy, but it's, like, spectacle anyway. The sheer volume of shit like this that Alger wrote leads me to believe, like, no, this isn't – like, this has to be part of some mythos that he, in some way – believes in and is selling to the American public, not, not as like a, you know, quote unquote freak, but as like a, um, as like, no, this is like, yeah, you just, you know, stick to it, man. Like the world is, the world is yours, you know?
2: Yeah. And I mean, like, so this is funny because it's so like ludicrous on its face, but I have a, I have a different, different take on it, Mm -hmm. I guess. Okay. Which is that like, I couldn't agree with you more that. Horatio Alger was not was not doing sophisticated literary techniques to mimic the, the, what Barnum's you know exploding whale circus or whatever. The yeah, fucking shit. Yeah. Um, but I do think what he was doing was like I think he was self he was mythologizing in a way. But he like the fact that he makes dick so handsome and so extraordinary and uh he clearly thinks he's funny and everyone likes him yeah
1: mm-hmm.
2: it is like he's not he is an aspirational quote unquote aspirational figure in the way that like you know you're not going to be fucking ragged dick like nobody right. is ever going to like anyone as much as everyone likes ragged dick right mm-hmm. and and there's a pedagogical function to having somebody like you know to to making somebody like that which is like it backfires but he's like a guy who if you're a kid reading a book you might be like i want to be like ragged dick Mm -hmm. i don't he likes to you know like he likes to he he likes to read and write and maybe maybe a rich guy will do something for me right like that's Mm -hmm. where it all falls apart Right. right is that there are so many nice rich guys running around, and they're so crucial to the story. Like, the luck and pluck thing is is baked in by Alger. He's not – like, the, yeah. the bootstrap stuff is from this, but it's not really, like, in it as much as – as much as, like, hmm. Ronald Reagan might have you believe <laughs>
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
2: I mean, I think it's like, but it's a bit of that
0: idea that you like you make your own luck, right? So it's like, it is that he ends up in the right place at the right time. But that part of it is that he works so hard as a boot black, right? So like, Mm -hmm. that's how he runs into rich guys all the time. Right. So it's not I agree. I totally agree with you. It is this like luck and pluck thing. But it's, it's like, it's not the same as pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. It's it's just like, you know, uh, putting yourself in a position for luck to fall on you.
2: For your bootstraps to be pulled,
1: yeah. well, and, and and actually, if I can sort of just one one other point, the 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 Heller essay, and then we can, I you know we've got a few things we want to talk about. We can can move on, but but the one way that I did think that uh, that argument was 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 pretty persuasive is that like there's not just one sort of like ethos of capital here. There are actually multiple ones, mm-hmm. and the book is much more critical about some kinds than others, which I actually think emphasizes mm-hmm. ultimately the bootstraps point. Um, so there's this one thing, right? That the the ear railroad scandal which it's a very kind of like esoteric thing like there um there there's a there's a railroad company uh that it basically went bankrupt in the mid-19th century a lot of people lost money on it it was kind of one of the there, there were a ton of scandals like that in the 19th century but it was one of those things that like caused a lot of anxiety about like wall street and stuff and like there are multiple references to that like throughout like even in the very first uh chapter i don't know where,
0: tristan are you suggesting that allowing capital to inflate itself so enormously (laughs) could Hmm. possibly have
1: ill effects. Well right. And and I doesn't sound right. But I think that Alger does recognize exactly that, but I don't think that ultimately pulls it out of like a fairly like stupid just celebration of capitalism. Just it wants to be the capitalism of the petty bourgeoisie, right? And like work hard, save up and you'll, you know, you'll that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so like, yeah, so chapter chapter one, like uh, he's having the very first uh, guy that who's like, he uh, is a customer of his. Uh, the, the guy says, uh, "I you know, I believe so the gentleman examined his pocketbook. This is Katie talked about this. I haven't got anything short of 25 cents. Have you got any change? No, a said, governor said. No, he oh not All my money is invested in the Erie Railroad. And the guy was, oh, that's unfortunate. Oh, what a scamp making a joke about uh, the Erie Railroad scandal. But so like, so Heller claims that like, so, like, th- this sort of like Barnum esque irony, like, or self irony mm. about, like, yeah, I'm a salesman, but I'm, I'm kind of letting you in on the joke that, like, Alger's kind of making a similar move there. It's like, yeah, there is, some, there is some shadiness to this system. But I think ultimately that just underscores the, like, but I'm talking about capitalism the right way, where you work hard, you get yeah. a bank account, and you'll, you know what I mean? So,
2: mm-hmm. well, The thing also is that you have to – you can't understand it without being like – this is a nice, like, Jesus-rich guy who invites him to church. Right.
1: Right. Yes.
2: No,
0: It's not the guy who, like, I am only – I'm totally arping on this, but there's, like – he and Frank are are chilling at this restaurant and and he makes some, like, offhanded reference about the Erie Railroad and this, like – Wall Street guy comes up and it's like, oh, I sure hope you don't actually have that because uh, I am an agent of the Excelsior Copper Mining Company. It's yeah sure to yeah, yield fifty yeah. percent on the investment. <laughs> uh, now all you have to do is sell out your Erie shares and invest in our stock, and I'll ensure you a fortune in three years.
1: Yeah, nineteenth century Jordan Belfort, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, <why's> yeah. <laughs> right <on? laughs> does a, does a lie to blow? It's like, hey, let me sell you this <laughs> copper mine. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You know what you actually need is a little bit of extractive capitalism, and you're going to be great.
1: Yeah, yeah. So
0: it's actually not that th- – you're right. It's like the Jesus rich guy, and and that's – because the, the guy who wanders over from Wall Street is kind of like – it's a joke.
2: Yeah, and he does this stuff where, like, there's this moment where um Frank – or not fucking Fr- Henry Fostick. I just want to say Frank Fostick just because it sounds yeah. – it just really rolls off the tongue it does um henry is about to go get a he he was in lined it for a job with like all like 20 other boys about his age and this uh rich shithead's kid is like i'm gonna get it because do you know who my dad is yeah and but the hilarious part is that there's like a it's like an impromptu interview right and the kid is like well, uh, I am lazy and I don't like to work very much. just like <laughs> yeah, outright stuff.. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's how the job goes to the the hardworking, you know, the hardworking Henry who you know has the who has the skills or whatever. But like it requires everybody to just either be absolutely generous, but in this way that perfectly distinguishes between virtuous and non-virtuous.
1: oh yeah yeah yeah
2: yeah. or or like rich people or or um you know poor people who have been corrupted are always just tripping over their own dicks like fucking (laughs) things up it's like rendering themselves not in any way dangerous to these like 14 year olds
1: yeah yeah Yes. And I mean, and actually too, like that, that aspect of it, it's like that makes it even shittier. Right. Because like there's this like all, it's not just it's not like merely a pedagogical vehicle. It's like, see, if you have stick to this will happen. You just just model your life on Ragged Dick. There are all these claims about like innate character. Like we're told mm-hmm. like Dick just had this this innate morality that, he, you know, he like, oh, like he was a little bit of a spendthrift, like to go to the shows at the Bowery. But like ultimately, you know, he was he was charitable and he worked hard like it's this claim about like innate quality which is like fucking social darwinistic too right oh, it's yeah. like it's like oh the poor you know it, it's not so much like work hard be like dick you get out of it, it's like yeah if 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 like providence has has blessed you with a certain set of s- qualities then then you can be like dick but if, if you have the the, the mickey mcguire uh you know celtic gene oh i don't <laughs> know about that <laughs> you know
0: like- i'm surprised that no like italians <laughs> showed up here to be like uh, to to uh, ru- you know, to ruin it, to f- threaten ruin.
1: But I I think that's merely by by virtue of when it was printed. If this was printed in the eighteen nineties, I'm sure you that oh It would have been there would have been tons of Italians it, you know
2: make it in there. Ugh. Poles. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Right. Totally. So like, okay. So he's. This is this thing where he's, like, the social Darwinism aspect is, like, to make him, like, the special, the specialist boy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that this is, like, I, this is very half-baked. But there's a degree to which he, like, emerges into the world fully formed because he doesn't have parents. And his parents are not actually right. ever referenced. So, well, he says, there's one moment where he says, I wish I had a mother. Yeah. It, which is, like, not really significant. But because he has to be, like, just... Him. It ha- he has to have, mm-hmm. like, no determination whatsoever except for his providential personality.
1: Yes. Yes.
2: He's got this – he's got this per- – yeah. I mean, we see – and it's as if he's never spoken to a person when, uh, like, he, like, hears of this thing called not spending all your money. Like, <laughs> only right. when he bumps into to a rich guy. And also just – I mean, set aside the ludicrousness of, like, he's not going to have enough – you think fucking – boot black children living on the street in the fucking 19th century we're gonna have like a buttload of money to put in away in the bank like regardless you know like so that's ridiculous the thing that's the the thing that like separates it to me from the this like so being the social Darwinist thing is is Alger's own delusion that ragged dick it can make the world, a place that's okay for everyone. Like he's got this friend who's like a little smaller than him, but, and he doesn't have the same, he's not so outgoing, but he takes care of, like he takes care of him. He pays a bigger share of the rent. Like he does all this shit, even though he's just a 14 year old.
1: But, I th- I th- I think that's a good point. I think where I would push back on it though is like that it it still it, it still is imagining a pretty small society within the poor that could do this. Like so cuz cuz you're like yes, he doesn't he he doesn't have like Dick's like humor and pluckiness and he's small and scrawny or whatever but not in the cute way that Dick is, right? But like oh, but he's he's uh, he has school learning and he's smart. So he like he like he has he has other qualities which sort of like go into the symbiosis in a way with Dick. Whereas like Mickey mm-hmm. McGuire, oh, he's just, he's got nothing. Do you know what I mean? Like he's he brings nothing to the table. And, and so I'll just I'll right. just like to me one of the most troubling parag- one of the most troubling tr- paragraphs in this en- entire book is is right at the end of chapter one. I, I have mentioned Dick's faults and defects because I wanted to be understood to begin with that I don't consider him a model boy, but there were some good points about him nevertheless. He was above doing anything mean or dishonorable. He would not steal or cheat or impose upon younger boys, but he was frank and straightforward, manly and self-reliant. His nature was a noble one and had saved him from all mean faults. I hope my young readers will like him as I do without being blind to his faults. Perhaps, although he was only a bootblack, they may find something in him to imitate. I just keep getting stuck on that nature. Hey claim there you know what I mean and and the faults that he tells us about like it is it, it, he, there, there's like some reformative capacity right like so oh he spends too much money but like even that like one fault that is is one of the ones he gets uh, rid of in, in addition to like oh he you know he learns to he read learns, and stuff yeah. like that yeah is that like oh he spent like he's like too liberal in his money right like he he'll he'll buy a steak dinner for like his friend the other bootblack who doesn't uh you know who, who, who's not as good at his job essentially right so it's like so there's a way in which even the one like that does get uh uh like sort of uh erased over the course of the novel also like well but it kind of told us something good about him anyway you know what i mean like
0: that he that it gets like resolved by virtue of his like more of his pluck
1: yeah, well, and that and that it, and that it's close enough to what are recognized by the novels virtues, right? Like being not not yeah. like greedy, but mm-hmm. like but like he and he's willing to spend on friends, but the the book teaches him to spend on friends in the right way. You know what I mean?
0: Well, and I think that it's actually setting us right. up for the thing that you know Grayson, whoever gives him that five five dollars, is like you know, give it to a friend later, that he's like, it's setting up the qualities of him as a rich guy later, right? It's setting up him as whatever we think of as being like the grown up.
2: Yeah, which is which is like where Alger go- winds up going with it too. Like we don't have to belabor that point, but that's where he winds up going with it. The part that actually, Tristan, I thought that you were going to go to that was the most troubling thing is the part At the end, when he runs into that friend and he makes an assessment of him, like, at the end of the day, he's never going to be as good as ragged dick like oh, yeah, he will yeah. never am- he will never become anything he will never amount to anything and there's this and uh, so he to- he leaves him behind without even the comfort of sharing an oyster soup and like doing bullshit together yeah. because there's nowhere for him like there is nowhere for him in he serves no pedagogical function mm-hmm. so he gets just tossed out along with the uh, with Jim, who gets carted off to jail, like these are just, you know, it's it's like they're unaddressed and thrown away.
1: Totally, and and I think that that logic is set by the logic of that very early paragraph.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, I I agree. I agree. I guess I think that's the lo- I think that's the logic. I think that it's a problem that Aldra actually is just doesn't c- can't he can't square the circle like he can't figure out what actually to do because he has this fantasy about if, if we just had enough rich and godly uh, benefactors, we could solve, we could solve everything. Like he doesn't, he doesn't imagine a place for the the people who are, who are poor and like in the, who are recognizable, who do human things Mm. because they're poor, you know, like, Mm. Well, they have to be, you're he, totally
0: right, they have to be, like, uh, disappeared, you know? <laughs> like, he has to be sent to
2: prison. Yeah. Right. And But Ragged Dick even says, like, that's really not the what we should do here, friends, like.
1: Yeah. But
0: the justice that the novel produces, you know, it's that Ragged Dick is really, like, a little too nice. Yeah. Right. Because well, the logic of the novel is, like, this is a crime against society, <laughs> so you have to, like, you know
1: yeah and it doesn't like it it never ever ever like accepts that like a social system that there's something deeply flawed in a social system right so like i read the like dick being like oh like don't send him to prison thing is like that's dick being able to like show as an individual is like christian charity or goodwill or whatever but then the much more mature and sober system which ultimately is trying to correct itself right it's not the poor aren't poor because of material circumstances embedded in structures right it's it's like if if he uh you, you know what i mean so it's like – so the system is like, no, son, I'm sorry. We must punish this, this, uh, you know, this, this malefactor. And Dick's like, okay, you know.
0: Because so. they can't, like, demonstrate anything like an ambivalent position with respect to, like, he's – no, he's stealing from a little kid, you know. Or, like, Mickey yeah. McGuire is, like, right. throwing rocks at his head. At no point yeah. are we like, somebody stole a loaf of bread to feed their kid. You know, no. like, we never no. see a version of Ill- illegality or, like – Whatever that that we think of as being like morally uh, on the line,
1: yeah.
2: Um, the thing that's like never mentioned that should be mentioned that you can't mention in a kids' book is that some of the stuff that we don't hear about, like why is Jim the way he is, it's sort of insinuated that it's because of alcohol. Oh, like yeah, there right, are these. Yeah. It's like the vices. Yeah. It's like it's an argument about vice in this way that's um that you you can't expose a kid to because it'll corrupt them immediately so like that's where we're all fucked in this yeah
0: because it's setting up (laughs) deviance right like that's Mm -hmm. that's the the the, i don't actually want to say structure because that's like antithetical to what this book is thinking but like that's the social it's a social disease right
1: Yeah. 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 Right. 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 And, and I think also one that it's like, okay, well, and actually, so the, the idea that kids could be taught vice, that kind of cuts against some claim about nature. Right. So, I mean, I, maybe that sort of qualifies my point a bit, but I mean, like why, why Dick is sort of like one of the elect. And I, and I do think that sort of like Mm -hmm. Protestant language is, is important, is, you know, important here and kind of goes with, uh, you know, so Alger sort of like intellectual, like, uh, background in some way but that like uh but but that it's is that he lacks those vices right like i mean he has vices but they're not they're not the really bad ones I, yeah I, and i guess what i would ask that the so this the the theory of like labor in this novel then so is, is labor like the obverse of the vice right that like it, it, it you know what i mean like it, it it's uh it, what is it is because is, is, there's there is that claim right that all labor is respectable in, in here right is that is it um is like Dick's hard workiness, like the mirror opposite of like Jim's like, you know, sort of never directly said like alcoholism. Is it like, is labor reformative? Like what, what the fuck is it?
0: One of the things that they use to sort of like that. Huck, huh, oof, no.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: Dick develops is like thrift. Right. And so we know that Jim has a job, but he, he can't like keep up with his spending. So it's like, This combination of like a good attitude about labor combined with thrift, right? So it's like knowing how to manage your money is super important here, which I find like just incredibly laughable as a quality that Mm -hmm. Alger pins to like a 14-year-old kid who a week ago was sleeping in a fucking box. Right. Right. That's like, oh, this is actually about like being good with your money, which is like I know what – what what's the thing that's the most disgusting about this novel? All of the things are disgusting about this novel, but that's something (laughs) that I find super disgusting actually, that it's like, if you, if you could get it into the bank or whatever, that you could, you know, just live in a boarding house with your buddy and that your treat is coffee, that Mm -hmm, that that's how you can sort of like make yourself line up.
2: Yeah, like that. It never the reason why, according to the novel, the reason why he's sleeping in a cardboard box is essentially that it never occurred to him not to. Right. Yeah,
1: yeah, right. yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Again, this is where yeah. he's like just born and onto the city. Paved. That's his, that's his like that's his birth is in a, in a cardboard box because like he doesn't have any he doesn't have a backstory.
2: <laughs> yeah right, yeah no, right. i know right you can't I mean, actually like-
0: imagine a backstory and i know that the, like a novel is cool you know it's it's only between its covers but there are lots of you know we can imagine that somebody would have a backstory but here it's like no he's not you know i can't believe that there's a character and i read this whole fucking book and i'm like how can you be non-edipal <laughs> you know there's a person who would never have had a childhood
1: (laughs) yeah you can operate in the world
0: without having you know gone through mommy complex
1: yeah yeah drag a dick (laughs) Uh, god fucking alger it's
2: bad yeah no it's bad i mean the thing that's the thing that's hard for me at least is like To want to be interested in what this stuff is saying about nineteenth-century religion and how it pervaded popular culture and like all the legacies of that and uh, what that means for like home economics and large economics and all that other shit and then but to but to somehow like uncritically accept this as a story that's gotten like that that it got super deeply embedded into American culture and like sort of rose up even higher in the 80s and shit, like when yeah. there was directly mm-hmm. antithetical stuff. Like, this is not Alger's dream of what society should be like
1: and i will i mean i like the let la- this is the, this is the last thing i'll say about it because i'm 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 you know i feel like i've really got, got my punches out no i agree i mean and it's like i i re- you know i mean as i 18th centuryist i read a lot of like deeply fucked up shit with, like with the, the politics of which are just completely antithetical to anything i think or the world but it's like yeah but it, it teaches you something about the way the present moment came into being it teaches you about like the time the you know history and, and you know historical forces and all of that um and and yeah to, i mean I mean absolutely and that's i mean that i think that's a reason why uh you know certainly scholars the 19th century scholars of, of of uh the united states more generally uh you know have to be interested in alger i will say why this really just punches me in the face though is because like the toxicness of the vision that this sets out is still so much a part. it's not even the subtext of like american bullshit it is like the like almost the official fucking narrative of like what yeah. the american dream is in a way that it's just like like uh, it makes me so fucking mad, you know. Totally, it's
2: so weird. It's just so weird that this that like it doesn't make any sense to me. So it it does and it doesn't. Yeah, like it's b- fucking,
0: it's bizarre. It's the stupidest book on earth. You know what I'm saying? It's just like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. he <laughs> he can't. He's just like I said. It's like it's like reading this is like having a head injury. Like I don't how. I mean, maybe it's just because, like, money is so motherfucking stupid that there's no way to, like, actually get this to be smart or, like, to have a (laughs) lot. Like, there's no way for this to, like, force it
2: to have a logic.
0: So, uh, hey, Katie, do you have a game for us?
2: Megan, life is a game. Life is a game that we learn to play. And if we play it successfully, we can um, strive and succeed as Horatio Alger once said. <laughs> uh, it, in fact, it's the title of one of his 100 books. Of course it is. Yes. What, he wrote 100 of these after Ragged Dick. <laughs> one, zero, zero. That's three digits. <laughs> and
0: You only need to read one and it still <laughs> destroys your brain.
2: Yeah. Um, what I have done to my uh, mental and physical health over this past week is um, is is truly uh not advisable. But I thought that uh, my sacrifice could be the listener's gain here. Excellent. We can do a little this is a free show, by the way, people. Free you don't have to pay anything <laughs> for this. And you're gonna get a little piece of an audiobook.
0: That's oh, oh excellent.
2: Okay, so that sounds like a good deal, but in fact it's a Horatio Alger masterpiece. So i uh, don't know about
1: that wow well, yeah i mean free sounds about the right price for that so yeah
2: that's
0: true maybe yeah. they should be maybe we should be paying them but we're not going to <laughs> <laughs> we are,
2: we are not um i didn't i didn't i decided not to go some of the choices that i considered like randy of the river <laughs> charlie codman's Cruise.
0: Why do they all have like some dirty word in them?
2: White faced dick. That one's a good one, right?
1: White faced. Mm.
0: (laughs) Ooh, I don't want to know the alternative. I really don't.
2: Oh, I'll tell you what it is. It's another title. It's called A Brush with a Chinese. Yes, you heard me. Oh Ah, oh,
1: good. Good. Mm -hmm. I I, I'm guessing that one is surprised. I'm guessing that that one is quite explicitly racist
2: explicit implicit
0: <laughs> <laughs> like,
1: uh, yeah.
0: all of the things all yeah. of
2: the ways it can be racist Damn. yeah all of the plicits are covered um, today I thought we could read from a fine title called only an Irish boy <laughs> all
1: right.
2: only an Irish boy and cool. this lost out to those titles not only those titles but Ben's Nugget and my very favorite, A Disagreeable Woman. A novel about a woman who is referred to exclusively as the disagreeable woman for mm. 200 motherfucking <laughs> pages. I feel like
0: Horatio Alger found all women disagreeable.
2: Well, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> when they're I, mentioned, I mean, if we,
1: yes, uh, ragged dick, uh, I think there are two women and one of them is just basically there. No, there's three, but like one of them is just basically there to like, try to like frame the boys for stealing her wallet. Yeah. so
2: I forgot about that. Oh boy. Uh, oh boy. Oh boy. All of these titles have boy in them and it's actually true. All right, so at any rate, let's get down to business. The business of saying shit about the Irish.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. All right, all right. Evening, Squire. Sorry, I forgot the Irish. I'm (laughs) Mickey McGuire. It's not a Dickens accent. (laughs) Mickey McGuire. I'm I'm trying to shout. Okay, here we go. Mr. Godfrey, your horse is sick of the disease, and your father left order so he wouldn't go out on no account.
0: It's my horse," said Godfrey. "I intend to take him out.
1: Maybe it's yours, but your father paid for him.
0: None of your impudence, John," answered Godfrey angrily. "Am I master, or are you? I should like to know."
1: Neither, I'm thinking," said John, with a twinkle in his eye. "It's your father that's a master.
0: I'm master of the horse, anyway. So saddle him at once. If you don't, I'll report you and get you dismissed. Oh, good! I'm so I'm a writing letters to your boss now." <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'll take the risk, Master Godfrey, said the servant good-humoredly. The colonel won't be so unreasonable as to send me away for obeying his own orders.
2: Here John was right, and Godfrey knew it, and this vexed him the more. He had an inordinate opinion of himself and his own consequence, and felt humiliated at being disobeyed by a servant, without being able to punish him for his audacity.
1: (laughs) By sending an email. That's the worst, yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I can't give him the spanking on Yelp that I desire. This feeling was increased by the presence of a third party who was standing just outside the fence. As this third party is our hero, I must take a separate paragraph to describe him. He was the (laughs) handsomest boy. Handsome handsome.
1: Get get ready. Wait, wait, wait. wait, wait. Also, I just want to say that is like a great writing technique. It's like, (laughs) and in this paragraph, I will provide a (laughs) description.
2: Uh, he does like to scaffold everything. Um, <laughs> he was about the age of Godfrey, possibly a little shorter and stouter. He had a freckled face, full of good humor, but at the same time resolute and determined. He appeared to be one who had a will of his own, but not inclined to interfere with others, though ready to stand up for his own rights. A thing you can <laughs> tell by looking at someone. <laughs> it- in dress he he compared very unfavorably to the young aristocrat who was biting his lips with vexation in fact though he is my hero his dress was far from heroic oh he, had no, he had he was wearing a barrel he had no vest <laughs> his coat was ragged as was his pants he had on a pair of shoes two or three times too large for him you know what they say about big shoes. They had not been made to order, but he, but had been given to him by a gentleman of nearly double his size and fitted him too much. Now Godfrey was in the mood for a quarrel with somebody, and there was no excuse for quarreling any further with John. He was rather glad to pitch into the young stranger.
0: Who are you? He demanded in his usual imperious tone.
1: Sure, I'm only an Irish boy, answered the other, with a droll <laughs> look and a slight uh, very bad brogue. <laughs>
0: <laughs> then what business have you leaning against my fence again demanded godfrey <laughs> imperiously my <laughs> adverb
1: for the day
2: <laughs> you only get one
1: sure i didn't know it was your fence
0: then you know now quit leaning against it
1: why should i now? i don't hurt anyone do i
0: no matter i told him to go away we don't want any beggars here
1: sure i don't see any said the other boy demurely what are you but a beggar Sure, I'm a gentleman of independent fortune. You look like it, said Godfrey
0: disdainfully. <laughs> Sorry, I have two adverbs. Where do you keep it?
1: Here, said the Irish boy, tapping a bundle which he carried over his shoulder, wrapped in a red cotton handkerchief. Oh, classic. With a stick thrust, <laughs> grew beneath the knot. That's Yeah, that's good stuff. What's your name? A- Andy Berk. What's your yeah, that's... That's that's not as offensive as I was expecting it to be. Yeah,
0: no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't have the words mac or potato or.
1: Or oh yeah, like yeah. <laughs> uh.
0: I don't feel under any obligation to answer your question," said Godfrey haughtily.
1: Don't you? Then what made you ask me?
0: That's different. You are only an Irish boy. Oh, Irish oh, racism! Oh, oh. <laughs> oh, oh, no. oh, and who are you then? I am the only son of Colonel Anthony Preston, returned Godfrey impressively. <laughs>
1: <coughs> Not very impressively. Oh, All yeah, right, now, I thought you was a royal duke or maybe Queen Victoria's oldest boy.
0: Fellow, you are becoming impertinent.
1: <laughs> Faith, I didn't mean it. You look so proud in gintail. Yeah, gin. oh, I, I get it. Oh, dialect. You look so proud in <laughs> gintail that it's, it's just a mistake I made. You knew that we had no dukes
0: in America, so- <laughs> said Godfrey suspiciously.
1: If we had, now you'd be one of them, said Andy.
0: Why, what makes you say so?
1: You're yeah, just the picture of the Earl of Barleycorn's eldest son that I saw before I left old Aaron.
2: <laughs> God- <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh. Godfrey possessed so large a share of ridiculous pride that he felt pleased with the compliment, though he was not clear about its sincerity.
0: Where do you live, he asked with a slight lowering of his tone.
1: Where do I live? Sure, I don't live anywhere now, but I'm going to live in the village. My mother came here a month ago.
0: I think I know you're, your mother lives... Well, that's the new person, sorry.
2: New guy. Oh, shit. Tr- Tristan, Who's that's John? the other... That's, he's the other guy that, um... That you made the judgment call was also Irish because it wasn't clear <laughs> at the beginning.
1: <laughs> uh, oh, okay. All right. Uh, I think I know where your mother lives, said John, who had heard the conversation. Uh, she, yeah, yeah I, can, I, I can't differentiate two Irish accents. I, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just going to say, she lives up the road a mile or so at a little house with two rooms. And who the fuck is this? Uh,
2: this is Irish guy.
1: This, this is this. Is, all right. All right. Thank you, sir. I guess I'll be going then as my mother will be expecting me. Do you know if she's well? And a look of anxiety came over the boy's honest, good-natured Celtic face. I'm, I'm, I'm interpolating there.
2: <clears throat> the question was addressed to John, but of this, Godfrey was not quite sure. He thought the inquiry was made of him and his pride was touched.
0: What should I know of your mother, you beggar? He said with a sneer. I don't associate with such low people.
1: Do you mean my mother? Said Andy quickly, and he too looked angry and threatening. Yes, Uh-oh. I do.
0: What are you going to do about it, demanded Godfrey?
1: <laughs> You'd better take it back, said Andy, his good-humored face, now dark with passion. And as we know, the Irish, they like fighting, so.
0: <laughs> do you think I'm afraid of such a beggar as you, sneered Godfrey? Yes, he is.
1: <laughs> you appear to forget that you're speaking to a gentleman. Wait, is, I, I, was that? That's me I again. That was you, yeah.
0: <laughs> this is This is, this is always good. Uh, you appear to forget that you're speaking to a gentleman.
1: Sure, I didn't know it, returned Andy hotly. You're no gentleman if you insult my mother, and you'll come out of here for a minute. I'll give you a baiting.
2: (laughs) John, said Godfrey angrily, will you drive that beggar away? Now, John's sympathies were rather with Andy than with his young master. He had no great admiration for Godfrey, having witnessed during the year that he had been Oh, having witnessed during the year he had been in his father's employ too much of the boy's arrogance and selfishness to feel much attachment for him. <laughs> had he taken any part of the present quarrel, he would have preferred espousing the cause of the Irish boy, but that would not have been polite, and he therefore determined to preserve his net neutrality. <laughs>
1: <laughs> "That ain't my business, Mr. Godfrey," he said. "You must fight your own battles."
0: Go away from here, said Godfrey, imperiously advancing toward that part of the fence against which Andy Burke was leaning.
1: Will you take back what you said again, my mother? No, I won't. Then you're a blackguard if you're a rich man's son.
2: The blood rushed to Godfrey's face on the instant. This was a palpable insult. What? <laughs> Oh, shit. (laughs) uh, What? He a rich man's son, the only son and heir of Colonel Anthony Preston, who everyone has heard of, with his broad (laughs) acres and ample bank account? He to be called a blackguard by a low Irish boy. His passion got the better of him. And he ran through the gate, his eyes flashing fire, bent on exterminating his impudent Adversary, he gets his ass
0: royally kicked, right? <laughs> <laughs> they,
2: they, it's a light. Sho- it's a, it's a light shoving. As this was a light verbal shoving.
1: And uh, I, I would like to uh, apologize to the the Irish people uh, <laughs> for,
0: yes, for the entirety for that. of Ireland.
1: To the, to the entirety of Ireland, just I'm channel. I, I was trying to channel 19th century caricatures of Irish Americans, and I can do that because I am one. So you know
2: no it's, we're all it's all good here and um we'll be recording the rest of the audiobook for the patreon so um you know we're gonna just have 200 full pages of that accent uh available the <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: i'll put on my fancy lad garb <laughs> <laughs> tristan you right. know that charles ii was the first person to wear a vest right
1: no i didn't actually this
0: is a whole. yeah this is like a fashion history thing is that charles ii popularized the vest
1: that, that I should I should know that that uh yeah well okay
0: just put it in your uh just put it in your um in your little Rolodex with the fact that Charlotte Bronte died of barfing.
1: <laughs> she did die of barfing. That's right. Yes, it's we, uh you learned that today, and that I learned that. Yeah,
0: I was very sad to died. learn that he she died of morning sickness,
1: for real. <gasps> oh for, my for, god,
0: for real. Yeah. Oh no, hyperemesis gravidarum. She died of a disease that. Gatorade can Treat
2: Uh, I thought she died one of the normal Barfing ways in the 19th century
0: No I mean it is a it's, It's a barfing way to die but Like Kate Middleton is still alive and she had it
1: Yeah Yeah and and I was yeah that that yes uh, well uh, Haworth where she yeah the the village in Yorkshire where she was from uh it, it's right it's, we might talk about it in the shandy episode actually because it's right up this road from uh, Lauren Stern's house but yeah it it is one of the most depressing places I've ever been the whole the the whole house is like yes and this person died when they were twenty and this person died when they were fifteen and oh yeah the graveyard right in front of the house that would routinely f- poison the village water supply.
2: Oh, how lovely. I Th- just
0: assume it's mm-hmm. one of 47 wasting diseases that people died of.
1: <laughs> yeah. <it did>. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um,
2: well, speaking of a wasting disease, how much <laughs> Horatio Alger? <laughs> yeah. <and that's>, Let's <laughs> this law. It's a
0: waste of time disease.
1: Yeah. Glad, glad <laughs> we're done with this one, although it was it was fun shredding it.
0: Well, too bad we have to move on to an excellent book next time. Yes. Aw. Yeah, a, like, a oh,
1: book well. that is smart and good in exact proportion to the way this one was dumb and bad
0: yes and <laughs> evokes the opposite emotional response which is a profound empathy yeah, yes <laughs> uh okay this has been better Red than dead uh you can find me on twitter at teslersaurus you can find it tristan on twitter at tj schweiger you can find katie on twitter at katie Crywo. i'm doing this completely by memory so i don't know what i'm saying you can find the show on twitter instagram and facebook at better Red pod r-e-a-d and email us at better at podcast at gmail.com but only if it's to dunk even harder on horatio alger and we believe in you <laughs> Our intro music is Left Bronstein by the Redskins and used with their permission. Our logo was created by Jane Bonsack of JB Design and Content. Rate, review, subscribe, send us an email with the screenshot of you writing a review and we'll send you buttons. They're cool. And next week we have Go Tell It on the Mountain, followed by a two-part episode on Tristram Shandy. I think you can guess who picked that one. <laughs> uh, thanks, comrades.
1: It's so-